You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Spoiled Yak with just Anissa this time. Hi, it's Anissa. In this episode, I'm joined by friends of the podcast, Yuna and Anya, who you might recognize from previous Spoiled Yaks. We had a great conversation about the recent family drama, My Unfamiliar Family, starring a talented ensemble cast who really did justice to screenwriter Kim and Jung's incredible work. This layered, funny, warm, sometimes too real show is such a gem. We had nothing but praise for it, but we still had so much to say. And we all agreed that it really adds to the experience to go in knowing nothing about the story. So if you haven't yet seen My Unfamiliar Family, definitely watch before you listen to this spoiler-filled yak. This episode was produced with the support of our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much. You can find our page at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Now, let's dive into our conversation about this unconventional, very special family drama. Hi, everyone. This is Anissa, and today I'm joined by two very special guests who are returning friends of our podcast. So we have Yuna. Hi, this is Yuna. And we also have Anya. Hi, it's Anya. And Yuna joined us for our Forest of Secrets podcast, which was like yep. way back in the day, which it just reminded me was like before we changed our name to. <laughs> yep. And Anya, we had with us for the Boiled Yak, where we talked about perfume and search www. Those are great. You should go listen to them. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to talk about my unfamiliar family, which I think all of us were extremely, extremely excited about and we really loved. I was joking when I made the doc for this episode that the show is so perfect that like I had no problems with it. So it might be boring to discuss. And Anya was like, nope, it won't be boring. <laughs> <laughs> and then I filled in five pages of things I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was a great show and... Yeah, we don't have many bones to pick, but I'm sure we'll still have a great, lively discussion. Absolutely. So my first question for you both is basically your general thoughts and kind of how it fits among family dramas. Do you generally watch family dramas? How do you find this different from those or the same? I watch family dramas. Sometimes I don't know why I watch them, but I watched 123 episodes of Unasked <gasps> Family, which was a daily show, and I oh my goodness. actually managed to get to the end of it. And there's a certain rhythm to them. You always have lots of lots of characters, lots of siblings, um, lots of stuff going on within the family. And I once joked to Saya that uh, normal drama should just do this because there is lots of plots if you have lots of siblings. Um, And then my unfamiliar family did that. And um, it worked very well, I think. Mm -hmm. I would say that I've also watched family dramas. I think the last one that sticks in my mind is Dear My Friends. I recently saw that it was on Netflix. Um, But I can't say that I've watched that many family dramas. Sometimes when I think family drama, I think lots of households, each given equal narrative weight, lots of storylines and entanglements, and like Anya said, 100 episodes, which to me can mean we're entering Makjang territory, and I tend to avoid that. But like Anya said, I feel like my unfamiliar family took family drama tropes and use them not so much to shock for cheap thrills, but to kind of show viewers another layer of 
complexity in a character that we thought we had all figured out and really propel the story forward in a way that felt rather organic and gradual. And I feel like, you know, because we're so familiar with these tropes, we jump to conclusions. And it was really satisfying to learn that, like, you know what? Actually, I was wrong. Like, Unju's not having an affair with a cute barista, and Chanyuk is not pining over Unju. And so I feel like the assumptions that I made also reinforce the overall theme of the drama, where, you know, we think we know someone based on what we see and intuit. And we're quick to judge um, and we think we know it all, but we're only just skimming the surface. I would agree with all of those points that you both made. I'm also not like a huge family drama viewer, although I do really occasionally enjoy a good, well-made 50 episode weekender. Like I think Father is Strange is probably the most recent one that I really loved. And we talked about it on the podcast too. And then like an older one is like Ojakio Brothers that I really loved. I don't tend to watch the daily shows. It's a lot. I haven't watched it. I have watched a couple, but not for a long time. So that's an impressive feat, Anya. I, I watched it as a challenge. I watched the daily show as a challenge to myself <laughs> because I watched Search WWW. And uh, of course, one of the characters is this real huge daily drama fan. And I thought, I wonder if I can do it. Um, and and I have no idea why I thought it was a good idea to challenge myself in this way. Um, I regret the 123 half hours that I spent yes, watching that's a lot. I feel like part of what the daily drama is there for is that like, you put it on in the morning while you're like ironing your clothes and getting ready for school and like getting ready for work because it's really not worth sitting down and fully giving your attention to. Yeah, for sure. I think even in Search WWW, that girl, she would watch the drama while on the treadmill. <laughs> I watched it while cooking. It was perfect. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I really like your point, Yuna, about how it's kind of playing with this trope of, you know, I mean, anyone who's watched a lot of dramas, especially if you watch a lot of family dramas, you're familiar with like the birth secret and, yes. you know, the adultery plot line and like the mm -hmm. secret child from another, you know, mistress or whatever. And so like all these tropes come up and some of them are actually true. Like there is a birth secret, but it ends up taking it in such a different direction. Mm -hmm. And you're so right about how it reinforces that theme of like, you just assume that you know things without actually talking about them or, or going deeper um, and you end up being wrong. Yeah, I love being proven wrong because it's like, ah, show, you are smart. <laughs> it really is so smart. I think the way that My Unfamiliar Family subverts these tropes and then also condenses everything into 16 episodes means there's like not a single wasted moment. It's just really, really like, it's like distilled goodness. And then because it's not following those predictable tropes, I found myself at times just gasping with like how real and close to home it was and I was just like oh my god this is a bit too real <laughs> like this, this is too relatable I totally agree and I think that the drama did it from the start like subverting mm -hmm. k-drama rules I mean in in the second episode you know that she had a one-night stand with her boss and that she you know mm -hmm. kissed her boss and if you watch a lot of dramas you sit there going oh they kissed are they are they endgame i didn't think they were going That's to be so endgame but now oh wow i now don't know what's going to happen and so of course my brain then goes oh oh but but chang yuk was actually in the poster oh it's this unfamiliar family maybe there's a birth secret and he's the secret half brother or whatever because <laughs> you're trying to actually fit what you're seeing in in the normal tropes exactly and so that by the time that you realize that you know okay so they kissed but they're probably not end game you think okay so every trope or every 
stereotype about dramas, everything that they normally do, it's gone out of the window. And now I don't know what to expect. And I completely loved it. I love that about this drama. I saw people talking about the weekend drama once again on Twitter a lot. Like before I started, I think it was like maybe a week before this was beginning to air. And um, I saw people comparing it to Father is Strange. I was like, oh, I really loved Father is Strange. And I started it and it was like, I think I described it on the Yak as like, everything is so predictable and it's also <laughs> forecasted like so far in advance that by the time that thing actually happens, you're already bored and you're over it. So I dropped that and I started this. And I think the way that it really does surprise you and it doesn't allow you to kind of fit everything into these predictable models allows it to really get at a lot more truth mm -hmm. about life and about family that families and family dramas usually allow us to do. And then speaking of those tropes, what did you think of the amnesia trope being like sort of the jumping off point for this drama? I liked that it was an amnesia trope. I just thought it was quite funny because you do recognize that it's a trope, but again, it's it's used very realistically. You know, it's it's as if an indie uh, movie maker made a weekend drama. You have um, amnesia, and the way that this is used is is really very clever because I think it immediately gets you on board with the father who's lost all his memories. But also you get that real sense of what it would be like to actually live with somebody who's lost their memories. And so you can see how tough it is for the mother to live with this 22-year-old version of her husband, um, who is very different from, from what he used to be like. So I think that it, again, uses it very realistically. Okay, there is amnesia, but how would that play out in real life? If that actually happened to a member of your family, what would it feel like? rather than use it to have some revenge plots or something crazy. <laughs> Instead, it goes, okay, in real life, what would this look like? And I thought that was very well done. I agree. I, I also liked the amnesia trope for Sangshik because, you know, I think as adults, we forget that our parents were once youths too, with hopes and dreams and first loves. And it kind of showed us that Sangshik wasn't always this grumpy old man like he became this way and I feel like you know this trope also allowed us to organically see these really nice flashbacks when he first met Chin Suk and um, seeing the side of him you kind of wonder like okay like where did things go wrong like how did he become this way and I feel like um this trope that was subverted piqued my curiosity for sure yeah I think the drama itself actually says this later on I think Unhee is the one that says it, but it's like he's traveling through time to the future. Mm -hmm. In one sense, it's really sad because it's not the future that he had imagined for himself. It's not the future that he would have wanted. He's still so in love with his wife and she's like mm -hmm. ready to dump him, you know, like it's it's sad. And, you know, like he doesn't know his kids. He's proud of them. But then like there's things that he's kind of surprised mm -hmm. by. And it's sad because it's not like he can go back to being 22 and change anything at this point. Mm -hmm. But it also opens up a possibility for reconciling with all of that and maybe having a different future because he probably wouldn't have asked the questions that he asks with amnesia if he was himself. Right. And he and that never happened to him. And his wife was like, I'm done with you. Like, let's he and he's so like bitter and angry at this point that he would have just been like, yeah, whatever. I mean, what, mm -hmm. what he did, he just kind of gave up. So I, I liked that a lot. And I also like that the parents got that journey and they actually got that character arc. Um, I think in so many dramas, you see not fantastic parents, you know, you see, you see parents who are horrible to their kids. 
And so often dramas just go, oh, yeah, the kids just accept that their parents are horrible or, you know, they they apologize for having been terrible kids to have made them terrible parents, which is something that I absolutely hate. And so to have here a drama where the parents are actually going on, on this kind of growth arc, as, this character growth arc as well, I found mm-hmm. incredibly satisfying and, uh, and very interesting. Yeah, I mean, you've basically segued us really nicely into what I wanted to talk about next, because even though Unhi is the protagonist, this is really an ensemble drama, right? I mean, every mm-hmm. character gets their own space to grow and have a journey, um, yes. except maybe the baby brother, which... You know, it's okay. He's just, he's a kid, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I think let's talk about Jin Suk first. And as you've said in a really lovely way, how she does go on this journey. How did you feel about Jin Suk's character? I found her sometimes really endearing and sometimes very frustrating. Um, I did like how it ended up. And I, I loved that she took that time for herself and, you know, said, I don't necessarily want to have anything to do with my family for a bit. I'm going to do do my own thing. And then there is the frustrating part where you think, oh, my God, she's kept that in for so long um, and kept silent for so long. Um, I mean, frustrating in a good way, not frustrating <laughs> as you're watching the drama, but frustrating in, in a way that you want her to make that change. Um, and it, it's such a nice way and it's it done in such a lovely way visually where she is just sad all the time. And sometimes, and at one point she's suddenly smiling and she's dressed up and you see mm. how much she has changed as well. Um, and it's very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when I saw Chinzuk, I saw traits of like my mom, my aunts, my cousins, And I just thought her unhappiness was so authentically portrayed. There was one moment that made me laugh so hard because, like, I've seen this exact moment play out. And it was when she and Sang-shik, they had a tiff and she was so angry that the mere sight of him, like, watching TV on the couch, like, repulsed her. And so she, like, trudged all the way to her kid's room and was like, tell your dad that dinner is ready. And I feel like there's so much that like a woman, especially a mother and a wife, like in this world and yours. And I feel like you see Chinsuk and you just see how stifling it is. And I'd also like to say that her unhappiness basically captured all my reservations about marriage. So I feel like I will not be getting married anytime soon. I feel that I, it, it's so real. There are some moments that are so, so real, real and you can and you can definitely see like people that you know in those interactions. I think what you said about her life as a woman is one of the things that I really loved about this drama, because usually when we get K-dramas that deal with what it's like to be a woman and what mm-hmm. a woman faces, those are through the protagonist who is, you know, probably in her 30s, maybe in her yeah. 40s, usually not at the stage of life that Jinsuk is. That's so true. Yeah, we get her entire journey. And, you know, I, I was going to mention this later in one of my favorite moments. But I think one of the things that really kind of destroyed me was that moment where Unju comes and she brings this bank book. And she says, like, here's all the money that dad's been giving me all these years to pay me back for those years when I used to, you know, work and support the family when he was mm-hmm. injured. Um, I'm giving it back to you so you can give it to him so he can, you know, get a place to live. And she's like, what about 
all of the sacrifices that I made. Like mm-hmm. she just goes mm-hmm. in her room and she's like struggling to keep her sobs in. She's like, what about my time? Like, is my time not worth anything? And the fact that like all those years when he was secretly giving his daughter money, he was not giving her very much money. And so she's having to like scrape and, you know, save and do without and then also take care of the whole family with that money. I was just like, mm. I was like, oh my God, I'm about to cry. It was so well done. So well done. I did also love the moment when you see her in her room with all her books and you can see that that's her small space of privacy, of, of where she can be herself and read and, and spend some time for herself. And I, I love that even through all the tough times that she had managed to carve out a little bit of, of a life for herself. Yeah. And then just continues to do that and just runs with it, which is great. So true. And like you said about the normal portrayal of parents, Anya, in a family drama, like both of the parents have an inner life and a life away from their children, um, which is not, you know, like a cheating relationship that's thriving on the side. That's really in a portrayed in a really cliched way. But it's like, you know, Sangshik has his little diary and his his truck and all the things that he keeps in there. And then Jinsuk has her room and her books and, you know, the volunteering that she's basically kept mm-hmm. a secret from her family because it's something that gives her joy that's not associated with them. And that's really beautiful because either we get these portrayals of parents who are saints or they're villains yep. and they're very one-dimensional, mm-hmm. two-dimensional. Yeah, I mean, both mom and dad had fully fleshed out lives and we got to see who they were when they were younger. And I feel like that was such a treat. And we really don't get to see that in a lot of family dramas. Because like you said, Anissa, the focus is on the young 30-something, like hustling, experiencing sexism in the workplace with like parents that are old and they don't get her because they're stuck in their old ways. So yeah, this drama was really refreshing. I think another moment that really brought that home for me was at the end when the kids find out about what Dew did. And the fact that they all kept it from them and they were like, we consider you our family, but like, what do you consider us? You know, like you don't even consider the fact that you should maybe tell us these things. And like, I think the mom says, you know, when you told me you were getting divorced to Undu, she's like, I just accepted it. And you didn't think about how much pain that was causing me and how like I've been sad about that, like every single day since then. And you didn't decided not to tell your dad, you know, like it was totally from their perspective but in a really human way, not like a, I'm the parent, you didn't do mm-hmm. what I was telling, you know, like a, you know, sort of condescending or hierarchical way. Totally. It was like, I'm your mom. Like the fact that you didn't feel comfortable enough to like share all of the challenges you were facing in your marriage hurt. Like that was so real. Yeah. But I was quite surprised that in the end, she still didn't actually share with her parents why she was getting divorced and I was quite surprised about that there is the the scene where the husband comes in to say to the mother oh we're getting divorced and he said I'm I was getting married because I wanted to get away from my family and I thought it was the same with Onju and I I was watching that and I thought what he is saying to her mother is just so hurtful you know he's saying I thought she was okay getting married to me because she didn't like you guys either Instead of actually saying, well, this is really why we're getting divorced, which... Yeah, I feel like that would have been less painful for her mother to hear yes. than yeah. what he actually said. What, what he said when I was watching that, that actually hurt. <laughs> it physically hurt Same. watching it. And, and I'm sure that this could well be cultural, but I was very taken aback by the fact that she doesn't actually tell her parents why she got divorced. Um, and he doesn't volunteer it either. 
Yeah, it didn't occur to me then, but now that you're saying it, yeah, I think it would have been less painful to just say, like, I don't love Unju because I'm unable to. Yeah. It's honest and it's true and there's really no way out of that. Yeah, it's a, it's an impossible dilemma and it's mm-hmm. really, it doesn't put the blame on anybody necessarily. Right. So let's talk about Unju. One of the things that really struck me was the way that the writer portrays Unju as, I think, not a character that I've seen a lot, mm-hmm. but I love her so much because she's so blunt with her words in a way that I have family members who are this blunt. And it kind of yeah. really shows the sort of positive and negative aspect. Yes. And it's really interesting how like her family also recognizes those positive negative aspects. They're like, you're so annoying. Oh my God. But you're also kind of right. You know, like in that sort of. And she also knows that. And she sort of defends her like piercing words by saying like, it's the fact, like this is the truth. I am right. And that's why I say it. It's to help you. Yeah, and he's like, I mean, I know, but honestly, like, sometimes it's a little too painful. Yeah. She she struck me as being the fixer in the family, so that if there's a problem, she will fix it. Um, and that problem could be that somebody's going through an emotional crisis, and she will fix it by telling her sister why she's in this emotional crisis and, and what she needs to do for this not, no longer to happen. Um, and fixes are very annoying when all you want is some emotional support, and they actually mm-hmm. tell you where you've gone wrong to have landed in this situation where you need emotional support, um, but very useful if you do actually want something fixed. Uh, so yeah, I definitely know people like her, and I can and I can also see how partially it could be because she was the eldest and because she worked, but also I think when you see her birth father or her biological father at the end, you think, okay, I can I can see that the writer is trying to <laughs> draw some some character similarities between these two. I feel like there's a term in Korean and it's a and the term is no gem and it means like someone is <laughs> just no fun and I feel like that is how someone might describe Unju because I mean she rarely smiles but she's such an interesting character. I feel like I haven't seen a character like her in a while, like you said, Anissa. And I just fell in love with this ice queen. Like, she's so cool. Despite all her flaws, I really, really love her. She's so direct, even when it hurts. And I feel like she's very much a pragmatist. Like, she's very logical. And she's not someone who allows herself to get carried away by her feelings. Because that would cloud her judgment. And also, like, feelings are for Unhi, like the other sister. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, her no-nonsense personality probably stemmed from the fact that, like, you know, she had to grow up really fast. She didn't have the luxury of fun, of leisure. And she had to support her family when her dad got injured. And I feel like she probably felt that sense of responsibility as the eldest child. Yeah, I think maybe some of that is also, I agree that she probably has some of that personality just inherently. It's her personality to be like that. And then maybe it was exacerbated or more sort of hardened by Mm -hmm. the things that she went through growing up, including, you know, supporting her family, but also the misunderstanding that she had about her mother when her mother was, you know, thinking about leaving her father and, you know, why Mm -hmm. she decided to take Unju with her and all of that. And sort of that bitterness that she pushed it down and didn't think about and the way that she kind of pushes down a lot of the unhappy things and doesn't really think about them. And I I appreciated how we kind of saw her go from the beginning of the show where she's like deeply unhappy 
to the end where she's not unhappy anymore, but she hasn't lost her personality. It's just that, mm-hmm. like, now she occasionally mm-hmm. smiles and, you know, she's changed. You can see the change in her, but she hasn't become a different person by For any sure. means. You, like, detect that shift, but Unju is still Unju. It's not, yeah. like, night and day. And then we have Unhi, who has the opposite kind of coping <laughs> mechanism. I really appreciated how we sort of slowly found this out throughout the drama, but, like, she's a people pleaser. She, you know, she kind of... Mm-hmm uses humor and affection and love as a shield from hurt and from hurting others and Mm -hmm. to kind of smooth the situation and how that often ends up hiding how she feels in ways that have consequences. Everything you said is spot on. And I feel like there was a scene with Konju that really nailed down what someone like her, I find very annoying. Um, And There are pros and cons to that trait where like she can adapt herself. She can sort of bend to the preferences of others. And an advantage of that is, you know, conflicts rarely arise because she will just be whatever you want her to be. (laughs) But what's frustrating to me is that like you're always putting others first, you know, and I feel like she can be a little more selfish And I think in that scene with Kanju, he asked her, like, you know, what do you want? Like, what are your dreams? And I felt like that was really real. And I myself am not a people pleaser. I'm not great with authority. And so when I see someone like Uni, I both admire her and I also find her really frustrating. I thought that she was a great character. And I thought that um, Hanyeri did such a brilliant job portraying her because you see you see those shifts you see her be upset about something and then plastering on the big smile and you know trying to smooth down whatever conflict has arisen and you can just see that that's that's how she is and almost using that happy persona as a shield if you're if you're the person who makes the jokes then nobody will make a joke about you because you're smoothing over that situation. I loved that um, Unju talks about her as being, in the in the early episodes, as being thoughtless and just going ahead and, and doing things. But you later on, you see that she's really not thoughtless, that she thinks about things very deeply and mm-hmm. then might just decide to still put on this persona. In a way, um, she cut off the relationship with her sister because I think she was just walking away from <laughs> from that conflict rather than addressing it she is yeah she just avoids it and avoided that by not seeing her for years and and I thought that, that she was a very interesting character as well and very um likable in her failings I'll put it like that <laughs> yeah, I would agree 100% with both of you I think looking back I didn't really notice this while I was watching but looking back on the show now that it's over Once you kind of have that aha moment, I think the viewer kind of has it around the same time that Chanyak does when Unju tells him when she really loves somebody or when she really wants something, she kind of just shuts that down Mm. because she doesn't think she can ever have it. Kind of explaining what her coping mechanism is to him. Mm -hmm. And he finally understands why she has been the way she is all these years. And I was like, oh, that's why she has been doing all this. And one of the things about Unhi that even though she's she can be frustrating is that she always gives people the space to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And she herself kind of puts herself down or kind of, you yes. know, becomes smaller in order to let other people be their full selves. And that ends up harming her 
But it also, um, because she was the point of view character, I feel like having her as a protagonist made us able to be generous with these people and this mm. family and all these characters to be their full selves and not just like give up on them immediately because honestly in the beginning I kind of didn't like anybody mm -hmm. <laughs> because they were all being jerks to each other but I was like oh my gosh I can't stop watching like these people are all a hot mess that's so true like because she gave her family and everyone the space to be themselves I feel like we were also empathetic I think so I mean the writing is just amazing in this yeah. drama I I can't say enough about that. You want to talk about Chanya? Because <laughs> I just love him so much. Oh, I wish he actually existed in real life. <laughs> <laughs> there was one line that he said, and he he basically was telling Uni, you know, the reason why I'm so good to your family is because I really like you. And I was like, that's really sweet. That got me in the heart, honestly. Right? And then he was just as a friend. And we're, we, the viewers, are going, yeah, just as a friend. Okay, so <laughs> honestly. <laughs> that was around the time when they kept, like, confessing their feelings to each other and then, like, mm -hmm. backtracking by being, like, as a friend, as a friend, forever, as yeah. a friend. <laughs> yeah. And they were just so comfortable with each other. And I, I'm so glad that they made up after that whole giant argument that involved her ex-boyfriend and the fact that they made up really quickly showed me like oh these these two go way back they know each other and they're able to forgive each other and just move on i'm trying to think of what else i can add other than saying oh yeah he was great <laughs> uh, no i i loved him and i loved the two of them together and i also liked that he also isn't just a nice guy you know he's got he also has his flare-ups with her and gets annoyed and gets frustrated i think that the two of them are actually quite similar in that i wanted him to set some boundaries with um, the people working from him, for him earlier than he did. It's like, okay, look, dude, they're all taking total advantage and mm -hmm. they're just running into your living space and you know, reading your phone and just set some boundaries. And so I could see that he is also trying to please people and trying to be friendly towards everybody and trying to be, you know, the big brother towards people. And um, and I I loved that that side of him never changed. He was like that all the way through the drama. And my favorite moment from the show was one of those confessing, no, just kidding moments uh, mm. where they're sitting there and he said, oh yeah, I came running over because I knew you were going to be here. Mm. And then she was like, oh, my heart skipped. Oh, just kidding. And I was sitting there as a viewer going, no, my heart skipped. I was supposed to breathe and I was forgetting about that because I was so into this scene of the two of them and great performance and a really interesting character. Totally. So do you guys want to talk about Jiu? Like, I think we can just skip him. We mentioned him earlier. Unless you have something really important to say about him. Just that what he did really ticked me off. Like, who does that? Like, I know they're trying to show that, like, oh, he's young and dumb. Like, he made this mistake. But, like, it just made me so angry because I don't think he's that dumb. But he's not even that young, right? He's, like, he's in not. his late 20s. Yeah. And he pulled that shit. Like, really? <laughs> Like, he, he just wrote a letter, bought three identical necklaces, and thought that would just smooth everything over. I thought he was actually the only character where there is no real character development. Mm. At the end of the drama, he is the same as he is in the beginning. 
And I think that that's very much done on purpose because he was saying at one point, oh, if I talk to uh, Uni, then I become cute like her. And if I talk mm. to Unju, I become cold and calculating like her. And you see it at the end. You see that his father is is texting and he is waiting to see what his sisters are going to say first. And then he is saying the same thing. And so you can really see that he is kind of stuck in this position as the youngest and can't seem to find his way out. Um, and, and at the end of it, it feels as if he is really the only one of the entire family who still feels very much adrift um, without having found a real place in the world, which is quite mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, maybe it was intentional. I'm not sure if it was. But if it was intentional, I think that's kind of clever in that, like, he's the youngest, he's the baby of the family. And sometimes you kind of forget about him. And you just assume that he's okay, because, you know, he has a job. He seems fine from the outside. He seems all cute with all that egg when he like greets his parents and sisters. And then like, I guess that shock of his departure really registered because you thought like he was doing fine. He's doing his own thing. And I guess... Yeah, maybe it was intentional. I feel like with this writer, everything is probably intentional. I was going to say exactly that. I I felt as if you're in the hands of a writer who knows exactly what she's doing. And Mm -hmm. I thought every, every scene was intentional. Both of you make really good points. And I also think that might have been a little too neat if every single person had a really great journey and they came out a better person at the end and they had like a full character arc. It's pretty realistic that even though the whole family has been through all these like life-changing experiences. Mm-hmm. Not everyone would have gotten to the end of the journey when we say goodbye to them. And that right. kind of adds to that feeling of like, this is these are real people that are just moving off our screens, but still living their lives, you know, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Are there any other characters that we want to talk about? I feel hard for Kanju because he's handsome and he looks great in a blazer and jeans. <laughs> I know he was a bad guy, but I still fell for him. I thought he was okay until like I learned about like his other girlfriend. But I feel like even for him, like it wasn't apparent, at least to me, that he was the bad guy, like right off the bat. I thought like, oh, like he's still like kind and like he's smart, like he cares about Uni. Maybe there's something there. And then like as I would watch the drama more and more, I'd be like, okay, no, he he's not a good guy. So I like that even him, like he was complex as a character. And I, I liked where he ended up, um, where they have the scene at the end where he goes, well, next time around, I'll do better. I thought mm. that was really nice because it's an acknowledgement that this time around you did not do a good job. Mm. Um, but also yeah. saying, well, you know, I can do better than this. I can be a better person. I fell for him because he had amazing bookshelves. Um, his apartment too, his looks apartment. stunning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That staircase? To be fair, big reason for Uni falling for him too. I don't blame her, honestly. That was very relatable. I actually, um, I just want to mention briefly, I also love the scene where Uni meets his ex-girlfriend who is trying to pull her into all of this drama with the phone and, you know, saying, oh, you know, well, you couldn't contact him for a week. I slept with him and he's going to the States and whatever. And she is just like, I'm not getting involved with your guy shit. <laughs> and just walks away. <laughs> it's like, I'm too, I'm too grown up for this. I just love that moment. Yes. Yeah, it's just like refusing to give him that phone, which I was like, thank you. Yes, because I've seen so many times where the heroine gets manipulated into like doing some kind of stupid errand that's only going to humiliate her. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, good for you. For the first half of the drama, I was kind of frustrated with how much of his crap money he kept taking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, especially when she finds out that he's been like secretly emailing her, pretending to be a 22-year-old mm-hmm. college student girl. <laughs> and I was like, this is fraud or something. Like, I was so angry. She was just like, oh, this was weird. And he was like, we didn't really talk about much, only like books and stuff. And she's like, okay. And I was like, what? <laughs> But I think later on, she does set boundaries with him in a more gentle way than I would have. But I think it just goes back to that's the kind of person she is. She doesn't confront people, really. But he is also still her boss at work. So she sets boundaries without burning any bridges because she hasn't got a lot of room for maneuver in that situation. And I actually thought she did a she did a pretty good job at saying no up to here and no further and I'm not getting involved with you anymore without being rude and without um, making it impossible for her to still go to work on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I think emotionally, I just was, like, wasn't ready to for her to be that nice to him. I was like, no, I'm, I'm shaking my fist right now for those who can't see me. I also want to bring up Unju's uh, law school classmate who she meets again. He's so funny. Love him. He's adorable. I kind of want to see more of him. We all know someone that's like him, you know, like he talks too much. He's kind of a tool. He's a little smarmy. And like he has that personality that I personally find like very exhausting. But ultimately, he's a nice guy and he's harmless. And I kind of like that he actually makes Unju smile or maybe his mom does. But it's nice to see like Unju with this guy and just be at ease and like she, he seems like a genuinely good friend for Unju. I like that he was defending her um, mm-hmm. to his work colleagues, and he didn't know that Uni was there. So for all he knew, you know, Unju would never find out that he had done that. And I, I really mm. like that. I also thought he was just utterly adorable, and <laughs> I just love that conversation with his mom. And I love that. So great. Unju is just sitting there listening to somebody who's got a good relationship with his mother. You know, somebody who can just joke with his mother and and just uh, talk to her on the phone and be comfortable after her situation with her mother and her ex-husband's situation with his ghastly mother. Um, so the fact that here is some guy who has a normal mom is is nice. For sure. I, I also liked that he actually called her out on her behavior about, you know, turning him down, whereas he actually hadn't offered anything. Um, and talking about how she did that at university as well. And she completely got the wrong end of the stick. And I, I like that. I like that kind of open honestness. And I can see why she's saying that he reminded her of, of her sister, um, because he's got that same personality. Yeah, and she loves her sister so much, mm-hmm. um, despite all of her prickly porcupine-like protestations. Like, they love each other so much. You're so right, both of you. And I love how healthy the relationship is. Mm-hmm. And I think this was really brought home to me when she goes and sees Young at the end. She kind of acknowledges that there might be something there in the future, but for now, he's her friend. Mm-hmm. She says, like, he doesn't ask a lot of personal questions right. or something. And he's like, oh, he must not talk very much like me. And she's like, no, he talks a lot. He just doesn't talk about really personal stuff. And I was like, oh, here's the contrast where Taehyung was this like really cold energy sucking presence in her Mm -hmm. life that Mm -hmm. just kind of brought everything down. Like every time you would see them together in the beginning of the drama, like her face would kind of fall when she was with him. 
And this is the opposite, right? Like he's so cheerful and bubbly and he doesn't really demand anything of her. And he just lifts her up in a really great way while also not like putting up with any of her crap. So yeah. And I also like that when she mentioned to him like, oh, I heard you defending me. He pointed out that, you know, like I've always been on your side. Like this wasn't like an isolated event. And I thought that was really sweet. I did find the whole um, I've got a friend scene very interesting because, of course, there's been that moment with her and her ex-husband where he says, let's be friends or why can't we be friends? And she turns that down saying, no, we can't be friends. And mm-hmm. so to say, well, no, here, here actually is somebody who is my friend. Uh, unlike you who made my life very difficult, here is actually somebody who I get on with and who I can be friends with. And I thought that was, that was very interesting that, that she used the word friends just because I had had that conversation about that a few episodes before. I was going to ask a really mean question, which is who was your favorite actor? Oh, that's but I know mean. that's like super mean because everyone was so good. But if you do have an answer, feel free to share it. I, I love Anjuri, but I, I've loved her in a number of different things anyway. Uh, she was actually one of the reasons that I started watching the drama because I love her so much. Um, and I loved her in this as well. I, I definitely started watching it for her as well. She is so good. Yeah, I love her too. I still think it's a mean question. <laughs> it's so hard to say because Hanyeri is always great and she was great in this. I really liked Won Mi Young. Um, she's a veteran actress. Like my mom watched her back in the day. And I love that she's had this great career. This is the mother, right? Yeah, the mother. She plays Chin Suk. Maybe because we talked about Han Yeri already, I'll give some love to, is her name Cha Ji Hyun? Chu Cha Hyun. Chu Cha Hyun. Okay. I thought she was amazing as Inju. So I think I'll give my love to her if I had to pick one. Can I give a slightly mean answer to your slightly mean question? Of course. I actually thought that what made this drama so good was that everybody was great, including Mm -hmm. some of the newer actors, like the guy who plays the barista. I think it's his second role, his second or third role. And I thought he was really, really good. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those dramas where you think, oh, my God, everybody in all the parts was was amazing. I agree. It really was an ensemble drama and every single actor was stellar. I'm so glad you brought up that barista because when I first saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, you are very good looking. And then right away, I followed his Instagram and <laughs> he's he's quite young. And I feel like I have an eye for like rookie actors that are going to make it big. And I have a feeling that he's going to become the next star very soon. I, I loved the role that he played and I thought that he played it very well. And that's in the beginning, you just think, oh, look, he's the barista flower boy. And I bet Onjo is going to have a relationship with the barista flower boy, mm-hmm. as, as you do when you come here with your family drama hat on. Um, and then when you yeah. find out what's actually going on, it was really touching. And I, I found um, that storyline very moving. And the fact that, you know, he was really looking up her husband who had the relationship with his ex-boyfriend and Mm -hmm. I found that I found that very interesting and I found that the way that he portrayed it fascinating and that towards the end he he wants to meet up with Unju to say I've never ended a relationship in a good way let Mm -hmm. you and Mm -hmm. me end this friendship whatever you want to call it let's end this on a on a good note and let's go and meet up for a drink Mm -hmm. and I thought it was great 
And he was really looking out for Unja too. If he didn't get involved, like I wonder if her husband, if she would have ever found out about her husband. He might have just continued burying the secret. One of the reasons why this works so well is because there isn't this like one or two actors that kind of break the illusion that this is a real family. And I would include even like Chan Hyuk and some of the other characters, like um, Uni's work colleague that she's really, you know, has this like funny and adorable friendship with. And all these people who are just, they just feel like they exist in the world. Yes. And that they've known each other for many years and there's mm-hmm. all this history. And so because there was no there were no bad actors or green actors even, it was so it just completely preserved that illusion. And it was, mm-hmm. it was great. I do want to give some love to Kim Ji Suk though, because I have just seen him consistently being better in everything that he does for the last few years. Top Star Yubek was the first time I saw him as a, like a romantic lead. And that's kind of an underrated drama, but I love that show. It's full of joy. But he was so good in this. So, so good. You know, I didn't know that he could act this well because I feel like I've seen him mostly in variety shows. And so I kind of know like his personality through the variety shows. And then when I saw him in this drama, I thought, were you always this good at acting? <laughs> yeah, for a long time, he was doing these like little bit roles, mm. like the, you know, one half of that obnoxious couple. And was it personal taste? Or, you know, like little random side roles. I think that I, I first noticed him as the brother in Oh Hey Young again. Uh, not the brother, the friend. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, Eric's friend. Eric's friend, mm. who's got that storyline with, with the sister, which I thought was great. Um and then I also really liked him in Camellia, When the Camellia Blooms. Oh, yeah, he was um, I thought he too. was really great in that. But I definitely think that this is my favorite role of his. Absolutely agree. Okay, so we talked a lot about our favorite moments already, but is there one that you didn't get to mention yet that you'd like to mention? Uh, I think for me, I loved the Unju and Unhi sleepover. I think, Anissa, you'll agree with me. Yes. Um, that was so, so sweet. And I love when Uni's like trying to like cuddle with Unju and Unju's just like, ugh. I also love the moments where Uni's teaching Chanyak how to drive. <laughs> I just found that so cute. And like, I get the frustrations of like telling someone what to do and they're just like not doing it in the right time. And there was this tiny, tiny little moment in the earlier episodes where Chanyak and Uni, they meet at the temple they make up and then as they're leaving the temple, Oni's like skipping out and she kind of like trips and he like catches her. And it was like a split second, but I saw that and I thought, oh, I love that. <laughs> I, I agree with the sleepover. And also I think this happened at the same time as the moment you're talking about with the tripping. I don't remember what their fight was about, but they had a big fight. It might be after Soyoung kind of spilled the beans and she has that misunderstanding, but like she's waiting, like she has to meet the author at the temple for one thing and he has another appointment with that person and mm-hmm. it's like her appointment was over at two and he wasn't supposed to show up at four but like she waits for him and he comes early and they just meet each other in the courtyard and they're both kind of like clearly the only reason that they're both there is to see each other right yeah. and, so, and I was just like oh my heart I love you two so much so that that's all I wanted to say that was such a cute moment I think that one was my favorite but then another moment that I really liked was when um Uni goes to karaoke with her father and I, I did also love her father and the way that the, that the actor goes from like being a grumpy man to being this quite skippy 22 year old 
Um, mm. And when they go to karaoke together, I just thought it was very adorable. And you can just see that she had never had a moment like that with her father before. Um, and that bonding was very sweet. And it has that kind of underlying context of how after her mom left the house with Unju, she always kind of tried to be on her mom's side and stay with her mom and be close to her mom because of that insecurity she had about being left behind. And then also like that caused Unju and Sangshik to get closer as well. So she never really had that closest with her dad. It was really, really moving. So here's what's probably going to be a quick question. Anything that you didn't like or that you would change? For me, it's like really, really, really minor. But if I had to change something, I would have wanted the pace to be a smidge quicker, just a little bit. Um, but other than that, I thought the ending was really satisfying. And it was a solid drama from start to finish. I probably wouldn't change anything, um, which is very rare. I always sit here or when I'm watching it and think, oh my God, if only they had done it like this and this and this. I was very satisfied with this drama. Um, and even if I can see that they could have done things in a different way, I can I can tell what the writer was trying to do with the way she did it or the way the character were portrayed. So yeah, I thought it was great. I think I mentioned earlier that I wanted Unhi to kind of say no to Gunju earlier, but I feel like you basically <laughs> addressed that concern. So I'm fine with it now. Um, and I also think that this is a rare drama where like the more I watched, the more I loved it, which doesn't happen very often. So that by the time I finished episode 16, I was like in this haze of like, this is so good. And also, what am I going to do when it's over? I'm so sad. Totally. I felt the same way. I feel like it's so rare to watch the last episode and feel like, oh, that was perfect. <laughs> You're just left in this like high because everything that happened made sense and it felt organic and just felt so right. And I, I didn't know that what I needed in the end was all of them wearing Hawaii shirts, but it was clearly what <laughs> that I was needed. So cute. <laughs> that was the best. I remember Unju's face when she saw the shirts was just like <laughs> so disgusted, but she wore it too. <laughs> And even Chanyak wore it. I was like, Chanyak, <laughs> you're definitely part of the family now. Mm -hmm. If you have a shirt, you're part of the family. I think we kind of brought this up earlier as well, but to be more explicit about it, the main theme of this drama seems, at least to me, to be about communication um, and kind of how it's not enough to just sort of take it for granted that because you're blood related to somebody or because they are mm -hmm. part of your family, whether that's a found family or an adoptive family or your blood family, like you, they just kind of know what you're thinking and you know what they're thinking. And you don't mm -hmm. really have to talk. That's kind of a trope that I think is really common. Maybe not even so much for families, but for romantic relationships is like mm -hmm. you should just understand each other without ever having to talk or like work through things. Yeah. And this drama was emphatically like, no, you need to talk to each other. <laughs> And so you have this moment where Unhi sits down with Chanyuk and is like, I'm never going to lie to you. Um, and she tells him, you know, something about meeting Gunju. And she's like, I've, I've decided I'm never going to tell you any lies. And he's like, are you sure? Like, that's kind of a big, you know, thing to say. You could tell me like sweet, warm lies. And I was curious to know what you both think about that. Is it ever okay to lie to your family? Is it always harmful to keep secrets? I like the sound of a sweet, warm lie being the only acceptable kind of lie, but I can't think of a lie that is sweet and warm. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've seen a ton of Korean dramas and usually the moral of the story is like to never lie because the truth will eventually rear its ugly head, right? And 
maybe something as big as a birth secret or an adoption is not something to lie about. But I don't know, maybe a little white lie here and there can't hurt. I say that now. (laughs) (laughs) What I've seen is that once you stop communicating, it's really hard to get back in because now you have to say oh you know there is this thing that happened two years ago and I didn't tell you about it let me tell you about it now and then people Mm -hmm. will just get hurt because you haven't told them so I know that once you stop communicating as these people clearly all had with the family it's just so hard to get it back clearly you might at some point want to say a lie you might say yeah that haircut looks really good on you even though it Mm. doesn't you don't have to be as brutally honest as Unju is, for example. <laughs> um, so you can you can smooth the truth a, a little bit. You can round the edges of the brutal truth. Yeah. But I, I found kind of the ongoing silence and how it just spirals out of control the longer these people hadn't talked to each other. I found that very realistic and therefore very interesting to, to explore that. And, and this family clearly got to reset that because... The father got amnesia, so they all got to reset what what they had and hadn't been talking about in the past. They did reset, but what's really interesting is then, like, when he goes to the hospital for his brain surgery, everyone kind of falls into their old habits, right? So I thought, oh, this is really good. They're not going to just change overnight. You know, the mom and the dad are like, oh, we're not going to tell our kids about that he's sick. And then um, the kids don't want to tell, you know, like Unju was like, I'm not going to tell my dad about my divorce yet. And they don't tell anything about what happens with you. And then even when they do, they don't say like the full truth that he actually got scammed out of his money by the scammer. I mean... Yeah, and the father seems to know where the mother was all along on her trip, and he doesn't tell the kids. So, <laughs> you know, they're right. definitely falling back into their old habits. Have you guys seen The Farewell, the movie? I think yes. it's from last year or the year before. Anya, the premise of the movie is basically like that the grandmother has cancer. And oh, they I did see it. all go to see, yeah, to see her. But they pretend it's just for a wedding and not mm-hmm. because they're worried that they might not see her again. So that movie also did a good job talking about when is it okay to lie. But obviously that's something very serious. Yeah. And here we're talking about whether it's okay to, to lie about small things. I think it can be okay, but mm-hmm. it's also a slippery slope of like what's big enough that you shouldn't lie about it and what is what is really for the other person's good and what's not. And I did actually come out of that movie thinking with my Western hat on, uh, that was not okay to not tell her. (laughs) However much they tried to make it sound as if it is, I just didn't think that that was okay. And interestingly, and maybe this is a spoiler, so if you haven't seen that movie, maybe don't listen to like the next minute, but (laughs) while Lulu Wang, who's the director and writer of this story, and Mm -hmm. it's based on her own grandmother... While she was filming that in the town in China where her grandmother lives, they didn't tell her what the movie was about. And like her grandmother is still alive and she would like come and visit the set and they would just like hide everything, you know? So I was like, wow, this is like an ongoing thing that they're having to maintain. I don't think I would be able to do that. But yeah, I'm also the kind of person who feels um, really uncomfortable with... I like to just talk about things and resolve them and move on. That's just my personality. Yeah, I'm also like that in a way, kind of like enjoyed rather just say it, even if I know it'll hurt. And I'm very confrontational and I can't let things just fester. And I hate just, you know, not addressing the elephant in the room. So I think I personally would just be as honest as I can, whether it's lying or like whether it's just omission. I don't know. I I think it depends on like how big this lie is. (laughs) It's complicated. 
like family. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had my notebook while I was watching this drama and like literally writing down dialogue because I liked the dia- a lot of the dialogue so much. So good. And I wanted to quote this one line that Uni says in episode nine where she's just had a really bad fight with Unju where she says something really hurtful to her. And then afterwards, she feels really bad. And so, and then in voiceover, she says, family knows too well the pressure points that other people can't find. They can throw a powerful punch at any time. And I just really, really feel like that encapsulates a lot of what this drama is about. Oh, yeah. I remember that line, too. And it's so, so true. Like, your family, they know where it hurts. They know where to twist that knife. Mm -hmm. And you're going to feel it. (laughs) Because it's personal. It's 100% true. (laughs) And I think it comes out of knowing people so well or Mm -hmm. having known them for such a long time that you know exactly where their weaknesses are. And so Mm -hmm. you can just point at them. I I thought, oh my God, that's totally true as well. It's one of those moments where you're like, oh, this is too real. I need a break. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing that I found very interesting was how they brought in the class dynamics between multiple relationships, right? You have, so you have Jin Suk and her background in in comparison to Sang Shik and how that's affected their relationship this whole time. And then the difference between Unju's family and Taehyung's family and how that ends up really playing out until the very end of their marriage. Mm-hmm. I thought it actually started right in the beginning when in the second episode where she is in a bar with the vice president guy um, and her colleague is there as well. And the colleague is talking about going to Africa and all this stuff that her father has done. And she's like, my father's a truck driver. So I thought that from the beginning, it's really talking about class and talking about um, those differences. And that's, I thought that it really underpins why he's got, why uh, Sangshik has got such a chip on his shoulder and never mm-hmm. felt good enough and therefore reads the wrong things into every situation. Mm-hmm. And clearly from that scene where Oni says, my father is a truck driver, you can see that his family has got no problems with that being his job, um, but he does have a problem with it. And I found that very interesting. And then you see Unju in her amazing apartment uh, with all the money that she has and how that isn't bringing any happiness either and that all of the problems in a way in that marriage came out of his family trying to keep up appearances Mm. and so I think it's it's addressing class in an interesting way in that it isn't saying oh these people aren't good enough or these people are so much better it's actually saying well having problems with it is it's what's causing a lot of these misunderstandings I agree I feel like we saw Sangshik's inferiority complex which caused him to doubt his wife. I feel like everyone was fine with his job except for him because, you know, he's a blue-collar guy. He drives trucks for a living. It's not like a flashy, glamorous, lucrative job. And I feel like he'd always use his job to yell at his wife. Like, you don't appreciate me. Like, you don't appreciate my labor. Am I not even good enough to eat fruit? Like, you're hiding fruit from me. And watching that was really painful because it's like, she has no issues with you and your job. Like, she's not hiding fruit from you. It's all in your head. Like, get over your pride. And I feel like I saw a little bit of, like, a male chauvinist thing going on, which was not fun to watch. But it is a real thing, I feel like, for men. 
Yeah. And from the beginning of their relationship, she was like this unattainable, wealthy and beautiful college student that he already had a crush on. And like Mm -hmm. the only reason that he ended up being able to marry her was because of her unwanted or like her unplanned Mm -hmm. pregnancy. Right. right? Like she wouldn't have in the normal, quote unquote, normal course of her life. She probably would never have married him because she fell in love with him after they got married. Right. Right. And so he kind of never let's go of that and whereas she is already let go of it and she's like fine and so she never really thinks about the fact that he's still like carrying this in his heart like for Mm -hmm. 40 years you know and you're right it's definitely something that a lot of men struggle with if they come from either like a lower social class than their wife or they're less educated than their wife like they have a really hard time a lot of times dealing with that really hard time and I feel like in some cases it doesn't even it never really goes away. Yeah. I think like uh, like you and I were saying as well, I found it also very hard to watch him in the beginning. Uh, the yes. father and his behavior. I found it really uncomfortable watching him. I never quite figured out how much of what he thought he did, he actually did, and how much was in his head, like how violent he really was or how violent he hadn't been because of his memory loss. And then the doctor mm. says, well, you might be imagining things that you haven't actually done. Mm. Um, and then his wife was saying, no, all you've done is like throw a lunchbox. And then you think, no, I'm pretty sure I saw some shattered glass. There was shattered glass. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you never quite find out, you know, how how aggressive or how violent he had been um, at home. Even though she does say, if you'd ever done anything worse than throw around a lunchbox, I would have walked. But yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think at the drama kept that gray on purpose because i'm clearly giving it the benefit of a doubt on everything (laughs) so i'm assuming they did this on purpose but it is very gray how acceptable or unacceptable is his behavior had been before and they also juxtapose this sort of reconciliation between the parents and him being like i'm so sorry although you don't quite know exactly what he's apologizing for in detail about Mm -hmm. what happened between them And she completely being like, it's okay. Like, I didn't know that you, you know, felt that way all these years, even though I don't really think that that justifies his, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was kind of verbal abuse, right? And like, it's, it was abusive. And so even if he thought that she was carrying a torch for her, you know, for Unju's dad or that he, you know, like none of that really excuses what he did. Mm -mm. Whereas she's like, oh, like, I didn't know you were going through so much pain all this time. Like, it's okay. Whereas you see Unju and Taehyung where she's not willing to let him off the hook. She's like, you did a lot of really bad things to me. I'm not ready to forgive you. And she like, that's basically what she tells him once her divorce gets finalized, right? And she says goodbye to him in his office. So I appreciated how they were kind of, the writer was showing us this generational shift Mm. in how much women allow themselves to really stand up for themselves, which is really very real, Mm -hmm. I think. And I love that Unju said to him, don't ever do this to anybody ever again. Yes. Um, I thought that was a great moment. I literally (laughs) just wrote in the doc, how did you feel about the ending other than it was perfect? (laughs) I think we were all just like, it was perfect. Yeah. And I just wrote, it was perfect. It felt natural. Smiley face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there was one thing that I didn't like. I knew that there was something. If Uni and Chanjok have been wearing couple rings for a year, how did nobody ever notice it? That's my my only question. Ah. <laughs> because they exchanged rings, right? And That's then we've true. got like a, a year time sh- a shift. Yeah, Unju definitely would have noticed that. She would have known. Were they identical rings? I I think they were matching. Oh, we should, we need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need to check. It could be overlooked. 
I guess. But like if they're in the same room and they're wearing like similar looking rings, you're right. Someone would notice. In my head, Ken and everybody knew, but they just acted surprised <laughs> because they weren't ready to tell anyone about mm. it. Like, come on, if that was your sister and her uh, friend of, I don't know, 20 years, I, I feel like you would totally notice. Yeah, you would notice and you would you would sense something in the air, I feel yeah. like. I did like how they found out that they just came around for dinner and he was there and they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, yeah, then they just move on. <laughs> Final thoughts? I just want to thank you, Anissa, for recommending this drama to me and reversing my drama slump. Yay! So what I'm going to say is maybe slightly weird because we've just done a spoiled yak. Um, but I'm actually really glad I watched this drama without knowing anything about it. Oh, same. All my guesses as to what's going to happen were wrong and I mm -hmm. loved it. And um, just not knowing what kind of drama this was going to be, not knowing where the story was going to go was, was just so delightful. And I, I liked being unsettled like that, you know, mm -hmm. having your, your preconceptions challenged in terms of where the story was going to go and I, I thought it was really well done by the writer 100 percent. and I hope more people check this drama out I know that it's okay to not be okay is like the flashier it drama right now but oh this drama is definitely worth watching but I, I think that they're not even the same type of dramas right they're not this is just it's like a blockbuster versus an indie movie mm -hmm. is the difference that it feels like totally. to me yeah no no long stretches of people gazing each other in beautiful <laughs> locations here exactly i agree 100 with both of you and i think this is probably going to go on my like top three favorite dramas of the year at the end of this year oh yeah i was actually thinking that i was going through my list of dramas that i watched and i thought is there an OTP that I liked more than these ones? Or are they going to go on my top ever? Mm. Might be getting close. They were, they were really great. Yeah, I can't think of another romantic pairing I've loved this much in recent memory, honestly. Mm. I think also, like, I was much more susceptible to OTPs early on in my drama watching career. And now after more than 10 years, I'm just like, ah, oh, it's the same old. So unless like a couple really hits me in this like, oh my gosh, these two are so right for each other. I'm not as easily swayed by like swoony moments and like romantic music and pretty actors that mm. I used to be. Maybe I'm just getting old and jaded. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. The only pairing that I can think of right now is, have you guys seen Hospital Playlist? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love Che sung character and oh, what's his face? Cho Jung-suk's character. I think they're meant to be. Um, but I know we're getting another season of that where we'll probably see more of them. Those two are the only ones I can think of right now that I think are pretty perfect for each other. Very often I can watch a drama and I feel like I've got two halves of my brain. One half of my brain goes, oh, they're so pretty together. And the other half of my brain goes, it's not even going to last six months. <laughs> um, so I'm very happy to have a drama where I'm like, yeah, these two are going to last. That's They're good together. Mm -hmm. Totally. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this Spoiled Yak. Um, I know... Saya and Boroma were both sad that they haven't watched this yet, and so they couldn't join us. I think we all really love this drama. I definitely think that we talked more about it than we than we anticipated we were going to. So thanks for sharing your time with us. Where can we find you on the internet? Anya? I've got my writer's website, which is anyadiaga.com. Find me there. And Yuna, where can we find you on the internet? I have an Instagram. Uh, my handle is 
unanimous. It's a pun. It's a great pun. <laughs> Thank you. It's Y-U-N-A-N-I-M-O-U-S. And I'm also on Twitter. I feel like I'm a serial retweeter. But if you'd like to follow me, my handle is, this is also another pun, Chickachunga. And it's C-H-I-C-K-A-C-H-U-N-G-A. And you can find me on Twitter at Anisa Khalifa underscore and at Dramas Overflow on Twitter and on Instagram at Dramas Overflowers underscore podcast. And you can find our blog where we have lots of extra things like long articles about racism in K-dramas, which is way more fun than it sounds, at dramasoverflowers.net. You can email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com and send us messages about how much you also love this drama. Yes, and please. we would love to hear those. And that's all. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye.